you're, you're right. It's always seems to be we're, we're like so underrated. You know what I mean? And yet we have so much to do with the actual job. If it wasn't for us, none of those other trades would even be there. You know what I mean? Growing up, I always done something. I was always, as a kid, looking for work in different places and trying to make something of that, like all new services and stuff like that, right from the street. So we got to rip up the, the uptown, we got to rip up the roads, the sidewalks, and just to mm-hmm. run new services because it once upon a time, it was a department store that didn't have any bathrooms. That's my buddy, Harvey Gesso of Maritime Carpentry and Maritime Electrical. One of the things I appreciate about Harvey is that he's always positive. He's been in the trade since he was a kid, and he can see what it does to people, the good and the bad. Today we're going to get a glimpse of Harvey's life running two different trade businesses, setting boundaries with clients, what's important to him, and the best live concert he's ever been to. Me, I'm Mike Kinoki. I'm a general contractor in Fairbanks, Alaska, if you don't already know me. And I'm not capable of running more than one business at a time. But I have been hosting this podcast since May of 2021. That's now broadcast in over 70 countries. Do Harvey and I a favor and share this podcast straight from your phone to a story in your favorite social media and tag us both. Or just kick back and enjoy this free content. But don't forget to sign up for my newsletter at thecontractinghandbook.com. You'll be prompted right when you get there. Without further ado... It's Harvey Gesso. Uh, invoicing, invoicing and estimating for electrical. There's very rarely there's feedback. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, you know what? You're, I feel like, yeah, you're right. This is this is the amount of work that was done. And that's why it's so important to try to build a strong reputation and do such good work so you don't have to worry about the, I'm going to say the sheep. You know what I mean? But that was the biggest, the biggest part was, you know, home life and work life, trying to transition those two together. And most of the time, your questions can wait till the next day. It's, uh, yeah, but I try to be on the job as much as I can. You know what I mean? At least mm-hmm. until I can get control of the job, I guess. And to where I'm at a point to where, you know what? Okay, now I could sneak away for a little bit because we're doing this and this and this. You're very passionate about your seven inch. Yeah, um, very passionate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. My next guest is a bit of a psycho. He owns two construction businesses, a general contracting <laughs> company dealing with all things residential and an electrical outfit. I'm a simple man. Uh, one, one contracting company is enough for me, but, but not for Harvey Gesso, owner and operator of Maritime Carpentry and Maritime Electrical. <laughs> what's up Har- what's up harvey good good to, good to oh, see you oh not too much you know just uh running ragged as usual yeah i bet <laughs> non-stop right <laughs> yeah you got a lot of you got a lot of people to deal with and a lot of a lot of uh site visits and stuff going on probably oh yeah i know we got a lot going on now with uh that 14 unit building we're working on and we got some new builds coming up and stuff like that and plus all the other jobs in between the kitchens and the bathrooms and you know, deck season and stuff. So just, just everything. Yeah, it is deck season now. Okay. Back to this two businesses thing. So what were you thinking? How did that happen? 
Well, I, I always had the carpentry business like for, well, I guess almost eight years now. And then um, it was uh, probably about eight years ago, I had a company that was working for me that was doing the electrical. And there was this one young guy that was uh, working for them at the time, became good friends. He was the one that from that company was that was doing all my electrical work. So with that being said, seven years later, he approached me and he's like, did you ever think of starting an electrical company? And I'm like, I never really put much thought into it, but I knew it would be super convenient because, you know, especially nowadays, it's so hard to find anybody. And uh, he was like, you should start it up and then we could uh, we could run something together and maybe get something going, call it Maritime Electrical. You know, how convenient is that, right? Yeah. So that's where it started. Uh, and then uh, I end up, we end up getting together on it and stuff and we started maritime electrical and now we're probably almost two years in business with that and that's going good and we're actually looking for guys now to to run it you know like to uh looking for more guys to work it and plan on starting another crew here soon that's really cool now is he uh is he a partner or is he just like a foreman no he's uh he's a partner yeah so cool. we found it better like that because uh he was Cause pretty much how it worked out is that like I had all the contacts, like enough contacts to get an electrical business started mm -hmm. to where it wasn't like uh, somebody new and putting their name out there, trying to get their name out there with the business, like, and starting a business. So I was like, you know what, we'll use my contacts um, and all my work. And then we'll just uh, go from there and get something going. And I mean, since we day one, we've been flat out and, and growing by the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. It's tough to find help, and if you're good at your trade, the work comes. I mean, there's just it's endless, right? No, exactly. And I mean, it was so hard to find like not only a good electrical but a reliable electrical electrician. Mm. You know, prior to this, so now it kind of works out for the carpentry side because if I need an electrical on short notice, electrician on short notice, or you know, we could kind of go bid jobs together now instead of me having arranged that meeting to line up with another like another electrician you know what or I mean? so our big jobs we could actually yeah. sit down and work on it together right yeah or just having something to sweep up after the electricians right exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> which uh -huh. is still the case you know what i mean it still happens <laughs> yeah. regardless if it's uh yeah. maritime electrical or not it's still uh it still happens <laughs> uh so yeah. are, do you, do you yourself have a red seal in carpentry or electrical or are you, you nope. kind of um, no. all pretty much grandfather, then grandfather, then uh, my, my father, he's uh, done it his whole life. Mm -hmm. And ever since I was a young and you know what I mean? It was kind of, you go do this, regardless if you can't swing a hammer or use a saw, you're going to be cleaning up blocks and cleaning up the mess behind us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Until you're old enough to do that. And then, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think it was my first construction site was, yeah, I was nine years old. I was, uh, and he's like, well, you got a summer job to come and clean up after us. And, uh, this is how you're going to start. And ever since then, I kind of had the feel for it and then just didn't want to stop. That's cool. Um, I, I also started in when I was nine, not in construction specifically, but more in landscaping, but but, you yeah. know, I, 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 I was always pretty hard worker and I just remember that like first time my boss was like, you're actually going to start doing this now, which was much more sophisticated work than I'd been yeah. doing before. And I was like, whoa, cause I was still <laughs> really young, but it was so cool to have just been like really cleaning up after him and my, uh, you know, him and his other employees to, 
to me, like doing stuff on my own. That was yeah. just a really neat step as a kid. No, definitely. And like I said, it, it kind of opened my eyes. And right from the get-go, like all my uncles on my father's side are carpenters. You know what I mean? So it was an almost inevitable inevitable that I was going to be doing the same thing. Like there, I, I, there was like a three-year hiatus there where I didn't do carpentry. I got into heavy equipment. It was pretty much I worked that until the job was done. And then when I come back, which was like eight years ago, um, I was like, you know what? I've always had... Uh, like my own business, even from when I started, like when I first moved to Toronto uh, uh, in 98, um, right away, I went and started building houses with another guy, you know what I mean? And we kind of started on our own, but he was older than me. So he already had his foot in the door up there. Mm -hmm. So right from the get go, I was an entrepreneur, you know what I mean? I might've worked for somebody not outside of myself for probably five years, my whole life. And Mm -hmm. outside of that, I've always had a business or did something to do with that, had something to do with that. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and when I was eight, when I finished out West and I come here and I was just like, you know what, I had made, you know, decent money at West. I was just like, I'm going to put all in, start a company. And if I fail, I fail. If I don't, well, awesome. And, and I didn't, so it worked out good. I think that's really interesting that you kind of always had that the entrepreneurial spirit in 98. Did you just know you were going to be on your own? You know, like for myself, for instance, I actually thought I would work for someone else until my early 30s when I was like, wait a minute. I'm I'm always kind of been my own boss in in a lot of ways. I mean, all of my all of my supervisors were probably just like enough. Okay, you do it your way. You know, how did that unfold? Yeah, I think um, I always I shouldn't say I always knew, but I kind of did because like I said, my old man always had a business. So I kind of watched that business grow. And then growing up, I always done something. I was always as a kid looking for work in different places and trying to make something of that. Like in the summer, I was like, okay, I'm going to mow lawns. I'm going to find as many lawns as I can to mow to make this my summer job for myself. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. And then, um, you know, like I said, when the houses were getting built in my community, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go in and get myself a job for the summer, regardless if I got to go around with a broom, clean up after a carpenter or electrician or whoever, you know what I mean? And then when I went, the day I got out of school, when I graduated from Newfoundland in uh, uh, 98, I left. I got out of school at 12 o'clock that day. By two o'clock that afternoon, I was on a plane to Toronto to start working. Mm. And I didn't go back till nine years later. You know what I mean? So. I went right to work. I had a job. I pretty much had a job lined up three or four months before I was done school. Mm. Cause I already had brothers that were out there. Yep. So right then and there it was like, you, you want to build houses? And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. You know what I mean? And I started building houses and then I started doing like piecework. I shouldn't say I was like on my own with a company. I was doing piecework for other companies. You know what I mean? So I was yep. kind of like a subcontractor, I guess, mm-hmm. but I've always done that. And then, uh, yeah, so it was either I did car- build houses, and when that slowed down, I went to did piece work for uh, Geldwin Windows mm. out of uh, Mississauga. I would just go install windows and houses. I guess uh, yeah, so that's how it went. But like I said, and then I did that for seven years, and then I went out west and built houses out in uh, Grand Prairie, Alberta, for three years, and uh, yeah, then moved back here. I moved back here thirteen years ago. And then when I moved back here, I built houses for 
um, let's say three or four years up until I went out west for those three years. And then now I've been doing it for eight years. And now you're more, you're more geared towards uh, uh, renovations now? Yeah, we do uh, like renovations. We started off small, um, you know, just like your bathrooms and kitchens and stuff. But now we're doing buildings, right? So we're doing a 12 unit building now. Mm-hmm. But in between all that, I still do the small renovations because I always try to plan for, so we're always busy, you know what I mean? So I'll still plan jobs in between. So if I got an electrician that's here for three days, we got to go do a bathroom for these three days. Right. You know what I mean? And then, but I still do new, do, do new homes. We got, uh, actually Thursday, we start framing. We got two houses to frame up. Nice. But we're just framing windows and putting the synthetic on the roof. And then, uh, that's it for that. We're not doing no finished work or. So you're subbing out to, you're subbing out to a GC for that one or. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we might go back and do the finished work. It depends on where we're at on the building that we're working on. If we're still waiting, then I'll probably jump into the houses and do some stuff myself yeah. while we're waiting for the other trades to be finished, right? Uh-huh. That makes sense. But, uh, so earlier we talked about you being booked into next year. And, you know, besides having a stellar reputation, there's other factors involved in, in, in booking into a year in advance, like lead yeah. times. So, so what's going on with you in that sense? When I, like I said, when I book a job, like I can book a job in advance, I think, cause it's like, uh, well, like I said, material wise and stuff where it's, I guess where it's so hard to get, I guess it's like just that when somebody calls me to book a job and from that, I guess it's just organization. I, I make sure that when, uh, the job comes, I have everything for the job. So there's never, ever any delays. So I guess booking a year in advance with most people, they, most of my clients, they know that, you know, they're going to be waiting for material three, four months anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's like when I, when they get on the phone, when I get a call from them and I tell them eight to nine months, they're like, yeah, we're all right with that. Cause we know we're five to six months for materials anyway, on any sort of custom work we have to do. Right. So it's uh yeah, so I think just yeah, the reputation and then uh, and just being so organized and getting a job done. And and usually too, it's like when I book a job, it's it's I think what gets me most is that uh, we're very uh, punctual with estimates. It's I could mm-hmm. say in my whole career that it's not very often that I exceed the budget of uh, that that I'm given. Mm-hmm. So I think most of that, where I get most of that work too, it's like, you know, call this guy because uh, he was like, you know, very close to what we had quoted the job and overages and upfront with everything and stuff like that. But, but most of it is to do with uh, most of it is to do with word, word of mouth and stuff. And uh, yeah, just being here, always being there, I guess, for the customer, (laughs) good relationships, I guess too. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I guess it would be mostly the reputation, but I just, I go find it, I guess. If I can't, don't get the calls and I'll go looking for it, right? I'm always on the search for work. And, uh, but a lot of it has to do with the reputation. You know, the, the thing about booking a year, year out for me is, well, now it's changed. It's kind of the way it, you have to book a lot of things far out because of what you were just talking about with materials. But mm-hmm. I always like to leave, my schedule a little bit open for the clients who just show up 
or repeat clients who just say, Mike, I want straight ahead construction to do this. You know, it's a, it's a non-bid. You're just giving them straight numbers and they're like, do it. And because I love those clients. They're not, yeah, they're not going to find issues with stuff. I mean, if there's an issue, they're going to tell you, but, but no, exactly. Really easy to work with and they, they want to spend their money in the right place. And that's, that's one of the challenges with this, with this new world we live in where you have to order things so far in advance and you can't just be like, Oh, it's already there. Cause everything was there three years ago. It was once upon a time. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Once, yeah. Once upon a time. I like it. <laughs> yeah. But now we're booking, like I said, so now it's even more cause now we're booking into six months for our electrical too. So, Oh, wow. Um, just, and it's, it's mainly because of these big buildings and stuffs like, you know what I mean? Like this building's quite a, a three month project for electrical because we got to run, all new services and stuff like that right from the street. So we got to rip up the, the uptown. We got to rip up the roads, the sidewalks and just mm-hmm. to run new services because it once upon a time, it was a department store that didn't have any bathrooms. Uh, right? yeah. And there were just minimal lights and plugs. So now we're adding bathrooms. Uh, you know, it's all individual panels, like different heating systems, a whole new heating system. So everything has to be upgraded because this building hasn't been touched in probably 15 to 20 years. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah. So yeah. Booking for both is a little difficult, but me and the partner, we have like excellent communication and most of the bookings come from maritime carpentry anyway. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it kind of works out, works out pretty good, but uh, it, it does get stressful sometimes, but uh, you know what? I cope with it for a while and it's just kind of becoming uh human nature now yeah i'm still not quite used to it but it is it is becoming the new norm and um yeah i know my electricians are booked out and yeah i'm I'm, shout out to you ryan i hope you're getting some sleep buddy (laughs) (laughs) i haven't seen him in a while yeah you bruce yeah no it's, it's it gets crazy sometimes you know what i mean but i i know also know to when to step back and you know give my head a shake you know i never let it take control of me you know what i mean and uh you know i know when to when to slow it down and and uh just not run my life right but even though like because you know monday to friday it is a little hectic and you know i work you know to 16 hours a day just uh at work then come home and do more paperwork and then you know get up at five o'clock and do it all over again right but uh like I said, I do take the weekends. It's not, I, I don't work weekends. I leave that for the wife and kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've noticed that. That was, yeah. one, that was one thing I noticed. I, I've said once I started the career, you know what I mean? I was like, I'll make sure I'm busy enough not to have to work weekends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just because I, I got to have time for that. Right. Cause, uh, once you lose that, then you're, uh, you're pretty much done for. Right. Yeah. I think that, uh, that's like a common trait of contractors is to use the job as an excuse to just blow everything off health family. You know, I mean, traditionally, I think the today we're, we're, we're seeing a much different uh, uh, pattern emerging from, from the crew, especially on, you know, our people with hang out on Instagram or. No, exactly. That's what I imagined from my childhood for the general contractor. Yeah. You know, smoking, drinking and, not and being at the bar and not not like paying attention to no, themselves. No, exactly right. I mean, uh, 
you want to live the playboy lifestyle, right? But uh, no, I'm not about I'm not about that. I'm about like I said, I'll work five days a week so I could be there, right? So yeah, I mean, I I have enough work that I could work seven days a week, but I don't have to prove nothing to nobody, right? So um, I'm not embarrassed to take you know weekends off because I'm not a, a man per se or whatever, but um, you know. And there's folks out there that, you know, that work five days or seven days a week because, you know, they just, they, you know, they want to work. I'm not knocking on people that work seven days a week, power to you, right? But, um, you know, but I just, I just can't do it. <laughs> I need those two days to, to shut off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And I definitely did plenty of seven days for a couple of years there. Yeah. And I was like, no, I, this is not good. I'm letting everything go. And no, it's not. You know what I mean? Because you'll work that much, but it's, then it's too late, right? Yeah. And then, then you're just like, oh my God, what did I just do with my life? Right? My yeah. daughter's, you'll say, my daughter's 18 years old. Where did her childhood go? Or my son's 18 years old. Where did his childhood go? Oh my God. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, no, I want to see my kids grow up, right? Yeah. Well, good on you. Yeah. Yeah. Recently on a post on Instagram, we kind of delved into the next area and I want to spend a minute on it. It was the process of uh, pricing contracts. I know getting clients to understand why custom carpentry stuff costs more. And, and, you know, it's a challenge. But when you, you know, when I give my clients a a quote for the electrical, they don't say anything. They're like, oh, yeah, it's an electrician. It's It's an electrician. Yeah. And, And I'm like, well, What's the, you know, I'm a carpenter. Why, true. why are you questioning my price? Yeah. It's, you're right. It's always seems to be, we're, we're like so underrated. You know what I mean? And yet we have so much to do with the actual job. If it wasn't for us, none of those other trades would even be there. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. but it is true with uh, invoicing, invoicing and estimating for electrical. There's very rarely there's feedback. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, you know what, you're, I feel like, yeah, you're right. This is, this is the amount of work that was done and whatever, which, which it always is, you know what I mean? We're always fair with it, but with, uh, with, with carpentry, if there's a little bit of overage, it's like, you know, like what the, what the, what the hell's going on, but you know what I mean? Like, where did this come from? Where did this come from? Like, why is this like this? Why is this like that? And I'm like, you don't realize it just took me, you know, like eight days to build this built in, you know what I mean? Like, a thousand pieces and having to get a painter to come in to spray it to make it look like you just bought it from a store you know what i mean so you got to think about two guys with the labor and then they're running to get the material and then you know everything you cut two three times because you know what i mean you want that miter bang on and stuff like that so when you hand them a bill for a built-in and they're like what eight thousand i'm just using like a an example here uh yeah. like eight grand you know what i mean like i was like well yeah there's three guys working on that. You got this pristine finish on your cabinets from the painter because he took pride in it. He knew it was a built-in, right? We had two trades in on this thing. You know what I mean? And I'm like, and I get feedback from it, but yeah. And again, I'm not knocking electricians, but they could go in and do the same eight days work and give them a $10,000 bill. It's like, Oh, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Right. I'm just like, it's, it's definitely, uh, uh, I think like carpenters, finished workers are very, very uh, underrated. No doubt. But 10, I think 000, what it is. 10,000 sounds cheaper in electrician for eight days. 
No, ex- I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what? I, I think that. what it is is that um, it's, it's, we just it's kind of like uh, electricians. I don't know. I feel like they just stand together more. You know what I mean? Than mm-hmm. with carpenters, there's so many, so many people starting renovations and carpentry businesses. You know what I mean? And if they don't know what they're doing, they'll, they'll still go do it and they'll learn from their mistakes. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think that the people that are hiring the finished carpenters or the carpenters feel like that, you know what, if you're too much, I'll just go somewhere else. Cause there's another guy on Kijiji that'll come and do it. It's just that I think there's so many out there that are so willing to undercut other guys just to get the job. And we're the guys that are paying the insurance and paying the workers compensation and, you know, paying to have, you know, the tools to do the proper job. That's why it's so important to try to build a strong reputation and do such good work so you don't have to worry about the, I'm going to say the sheep, you know what I mean? Yeah. That uh, come in and take your work because you go to a client, your bid's probably $3,000 more than this guy. But the client did their research and was like, you know what? I, you know, I've heard about this guy. He's, he's great. You know, I'm going to pay the $3,000 because I want that quality on my job. I don't want to yeah. risk having somebody I don't know. You know what I mean? Do it. Okay, so back to, you know, the, the custom part of carpentry. And for all the electricians out there, we're not really ragging on you. It's just the di- it's just a difference. No, no, It'd be I, the same for plumbing. I give a plumbing quote It'd be the same for, for a job. Exactly. And people don't, they're like, okay. And I'm, huh. okay. Yeah. So, so way back when I had a client that I gave a quote for finishing their basement. They had an unfinished basement. Very common thing around here to, build the house, leave the basement unfinished. So you don't, you don't have to spend as much up front. Yeah. And, and, you know, they had incredible sticker shock and I was like, well, it's not, there's nothing done down there. There's just some yeah. plumbing vents and, and wires dangling, you know, there's nothing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of work and this is actually cheap. I'm probably. Yes, exactly. And um, then they wanted custom bunk beds and a custom desk for their kids. And I was like, okay, that's just going to be hourly. Yeah. And they were like, well, how much do you think it's going to cost? And I was like, you know, it's going to take my lead carpenter in a hand a week to do what you have requested. So this much. And I was probably billing 75 bucks an hour ahead then. Yes. And they were, they flipped and I was like, they're going to be in the shop for a week. And we have to finish the stuff and make it smooth and, you know, it has to be furniture grade. If it, if I show up with rough, a rough uh, bunk bed, you're going to yeah. hate me forever. Exactly. And, and we ended up doing it and it took a lot longer even. And, uh, and I told them as we were going, I was like, this is going to take longer. And it was, it, it didn't end well in terms of that. I kind of mm-hmm. bit the bullet a little bit, but you know, what do you do to, get in front of that yourself when you're talking to clients because you have to get in front of it as yeah. a carpenter. No, exactly. Um, I usually just, uh, yeah, I'll try to, I'll try to walk them through it as best I can. You know what I mean? So what I'll do is like, uh, cause we do quite a bit of finished carpentry and stuff like that and do right. a lot of built-ins and, and I usually try to show them a picture. You know what I mean? I'm like the best thing I do is like, you know what? It's easier for you 
to give me the exact or not exact or something close to what you want for your built-in or your desk right and then i'll 90 percent of the time i have something that i built that was similar to that and then i say this is how much this is going to cost for this basic package more or less but if you're going with a higher end handle or a darker paint or something then it's going to cost you a lot more so i guess i try to before i even build it i try to let them know that i give them a, a, a price but it, the price is usually always higher than i anticipate and then then i you know then it's gonna be because i just always leave for that little bit of of uh, room for uh for error i guess mm-hmm but uh, then I just let them know that's how long it's going to take. And this is how much built-ins cost. But I usually tell them right up front that it's, you know, it's not going to be cheap. And then I just try to base my price off of what I've already done and let them know. And in most built-ins, I, like I always, like, what I'm trying to say, I guess I always try to get them to give me a picture of something that they want instead mm. of them saying, build this for me and we'll see if I like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Like, no, no, uh, no. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm all, I, I say, you know, we can buy this from Ikea and you can have the same true. shelf. You can have the same shelf yep. as everyone else. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And I, I tell them that too. I'm like, listen here. Yeah. You can, you can get these, uh, you know, these cardboard cutout cabinets and then, uh, and go with that. And then you'd be calling in your sagging shelves and stuff like that. Right. But no doubt most people, when they, you, you know what I mean? Like you get the clients that you could tell that, you know, they, they want, they want what they want. And uh, you could tell that they want to go with, with quality. You could tell the ones that are just looking to get the steal of a deal. Right. And those are the ones that I more or less just push for the, the Ikea cabinets. Right. Cause I yeah. pretty much just say, I can't build it for what you're looking for, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's, I, I won't even try, you know what I mean? Like to do it because like you said, it, if you could try to build for that price, but if you do one little mistake or, when your miners break, then you're the bad guy, right? Yeah. And it's just, like, why do you do such a terrible job? Right. But so I try to get out of that to where, you know, before I would always try my best to, you know, make it work for the budget. Right. But then you get burnt because you, you know, you tried so hard to make it work and then if it didn't work, then you're the, you're the goof that screwed it up. So mm-hmm. now I'm just like, you know what? I, I just don't do that no more. This is what it's going to be. And uh, if you don't like it, then I, can, I can't do it for you. I can't, I can't even try, right? Because then it compromises my quality. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, what was the most challenging leap going from just tradesperson to business owner? Uh, I think it was organization and like uh paperwork and trying to like trying to accommodate my real life with my work life you know what i mean trying to make those two work together and knowing when knowing when to leave it at work and you know try not to bring it home i guess was the biggest things you know what i mean like not let the stress of sub trades and workers come home with me you know what i mean because it did you know what I mean? I'm not going to lie. The first three years of one of my business, I was, I was a, a, a prick. You know what I mean? To the point to where it, it almost compromised, you know, my relationship with my wife and you know what I mean? And kids and stuff. Right. So 
um then i'd slowly learn and i got at one point i was like stressed to the max do you know what i mean i was just like you know is this what i want to do i'm like you know it's just it's just too much that's you know just you know you get into that zone that stress zone where every little thing is is irritable to you yes. you know and it was just uh it was just terrible and i was like this has got to you know it's got to stop and i think it was mainly just the guys that i was around working with and stuff and that all changed and then i just uh yeah, I don't know. It was like a switch almost, but now I, you know, I can manage both business and, and life and, uh, a little bit better. I mean, my wife might tell you different, but I think I've done a lot better since, uh, you know, since when I first started, but that was the biggest, the biggest part was, you know, home life and work life, trying to transition those two together. I think that's super relatable to anyone out there because it's really hard for us as fixers and problem solvers yeah. to, to, to shut it down. Like, how, Oh yeah. You have to train your mind to, to let go at night. Exactly. You're gonna be exactly. And I can totally relate to going out and, you know, like socializing after work and just not being remotely present and being irritable with people that I care about for no reason other than yeah. I was stressed out. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. To the point to where I was almost going to have to get medicated for it. You know what I mean? And right. I was just like, you know what? I, I just can't do this. I'm like, what, what, the hell, what am I doing? You know? And yeah. And then, uh, but I'm going to take a, I'm going to take it one step further here soon because I still kind of take it home a little bit, but not so much distress of the job, but the phone of the job, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, it's just on. And you know what I mean? Like uh, I was talking to Joe uh, Angelo there from tip top the other day. And he said at five o'clock, he just shuts it off. And that's it. You know what I mean? You could leave a message after the tone and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Right. So I think that's what I got to start doing is just shutting it off. Like, you know what I mean? Like literally shutting the phone completely off. That's a good call. Um, I have it written in my contract that you can't contact me after seven at night and not at all on Sundays. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not, you know, if it's an emergency. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I don't need text for your about your thoughts on the project at nine o'clock when I'm about to no. go to bed because that'll you know then what that does in my mind like I'm like new idea and then I can't no. sleep and you're always thinking um, about it exactly and always yeah. yeah it's like it took it yeah. took a few hours to get to this point where I can actually close my eyes and sleep mm -hmm. so after a while I, I I I put it in the contract and I read the contract to people when it's a big project especially. And I, I'm always kind of warming them up before we sign that from the first time I meet with them, that I will not be available at night all the time. Like this is yeah. not, you, we talk during business hours and, and most of the time your questions can wait till the next day. And what is even better that if you sleep on it, sometimes those questions get answered on your own or you come up with a, a better, a better question, you know, you, exactly. it's more yeah. thought through, but yeah, that's, no. that, that is a challenge, man. That whole phone because you're on your not you're not you're on your phone to entertain yourself now too. We're addicted to these things. Exactly. And so yeah. then there's text coming in, and yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That's a tightrope. No, and then the emails and stuff, and you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like oh, sample this, sample that, sample this. You know what I mean? Like with like samples for tile samples and stuff yeah. for jobs and stuff. I mean, and uh, yeah, so that was that was the hardest transition was was all that stuff and learning to live with that, right? And then separate myself from it, I guess. Yeah. yeah are you? Because are, Go ahead. No, sorry about that. You go. Yeah. 
Um, are you are you in the field every day now, or, or are you managing from the office a lot, or how's that go? No, in the fields, probably ninety percent of the time. Good. Yeah, and then I, I like I do this to myself, but uh, I'm I always try. I like I love being on a job, and I always try to be on the job. And I know I shouldn't do this, but I try to plan my meetings or appointments. Like I'll plan it during my lunch break or right after work. So I don't have to leave work. You know what I mean? I, like uh, there's some cases that I have to, you know what I mean? I'm just like, you know what? I got too much on the go today. I got to go boys to do this, but it's uh, yeah. But I try to be on the job as much as I can. You know what I mean? At least mm -hmm. until I can get control of the job, I guess. And to where I'm at a point to where, you know what? Okay. Now I could sneak away for a little bit. Cause we're doing this and this and this, not that I don't trust the guys, but it's just, it just makes me comfortable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Knowing when I know something's done good and it's the way I want it. Right. Yeah. But uh, it's like these houses that we're going to be framing. Um, I'm going to be there for the whole build. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, well, uh, I, I'm guilty of using my lunch breaks for work too. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like it, use an opportunity and eat and, and drive. Exactly. Your, yeah, stuff your face way. on your way to the meeting. <laughs> yeah, that's it's like i'll be there at 10 after you know what i mean so and i can try mm. to get back before lunch breaks over or whatever right yeah, yeah. and it's just because i feel guilty i mean i feel like i should be there all the time you know what i mean like i i i'm a boss but i still feel like a worker you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's like i'm weird but i'm on the job site working with the guys i feel bad for being on my cell phone i almost like hide it from them like oh sorry and mm -hmm. I put it away, you know what I mean? Like, cause I'm like, I shouldn't be talking on my phone during work hours. Right. But, but uh, that's just a mentality. That's just the way I was raised to always be, you know, work, 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 regardless. And you plan your life around your work, not during your work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when are you retiring? Uh, my five-year plan is to open a, uh, my own kitchen place store and um, sell kitchens and countertops and have that as my retirement plan. And if I don't retire, I'd still have that business, you know, kind of get it out, get out of the whole construction thing completely. I would still do like build the kitchens and do the installs, mm -hmm. but I won't do the renovations to get me ready for the kitchen. You know what I mean? It would just be, oh, okay, yeah. you're going to buy my kitchen. I'll build it. I'll install it. Um, that's it. And, you know, kind of like sell fixtures and stuff like that. And, and I'll just use that and kind of have that as a business that could be, that could stay in the family. You know what I mean? And this, if the kids want to work it or take it over then they can. Right. Yeah. Would you, uh, would you do like custom cabinetry or, or just ordering still? I think it'd be a bit of both. You know what I mean? Like the ones that really want to custom, I'll, I'll I could do it. Cause I built custom cabinets before, Yep. but it was just too much, uh, you know, it was just too much of a, you need the shop and stuff like that. And oh yeah. You gotta be how, how many people were, were really buying it. You know what I mean? Everybody was still skeptical there. When you tell somebody you're making homemade cabinets, they think of it as homemade cabinets. Yeah. And uh, so it was like that, but I mean, I could get the other kitchens for, you know, faster and a little bit cheaper because again, here we go with the craftsmanship versus the Ikea, right? You're like, well, I can get this for $6,000 cheaper and it looks the same. You know what I mean? So yep. there was that ordeal. So I think it'd be a little bit of a boat, both, but more so with selling the cabinets for like other uh, dealers and stuff like that. 
but that's the five-year plan and that's kind of going to be my retirement so i guess when i plan on retiring will be probably between 60 and 65 years old uh-huh yeah but like again i'll own the store and as long as i'm healthy at that time i'll probably still always be have a hand in it and be around it and stuff right you know because you know when you retire at 60 65 you ever retire right well, that's the thing. I I, yeah. I want to retire, but I don't see stopping. I got to do something. Exactly. Yeah. And you know. um, that's what I want to do to store because I don't feel like I'll be at 65. I'll be, be able to do the heavy lifting and the lugging and the grunting and going right. out and dealing with the stress of everything. So I feel if I had to store, then it's less stressful and I could kind of, you know, spend more time in the office, but still run the business from the office and still meet with clients and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. it. Sounds like a great plan. So yeah, okay. that's what I that's what I plan on doing. Okay, now I when your father-in-law came to your barbecue, sporting one hundred percent maritime carpentry swag, what was he angling for? <laughs> <laughs> what did he want? <laughs> you know what he he's uh, he's a, a good soul, and he just he just loves it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he does he doesn't want nothing. He just he's more or less happy to get a new hoodie and a new hat. Yeah. No, you know that's, I mean? that's I'm, I'm, I'm totally but, joking. Uh, oh, no, I know. I know, but he's, he's every time, don't worry, every time I see him and he, he has my gear on, he's like, oh, look at this, look at this. You know what I mean? And he's always that's cool. pretty pumped about it, right? So he's usually always the first one to get a new hoodie or a new, uh, a new uh, hat. But uh, no, it's funny. And I got like the family and friends, like, you know what? I was uh, doing the hoodies and the hats and I was like, you know what? I'll start maybe I could sell it because I had a bunch of people saying, Oh, where could I buy it? Where could I buy it? But I'm more like, uh, I didn't want to really do anything with it. So I'm just like, you know what, anybody, if you see me in the road, uh, driving on the road in my truck and you come up and be like, Oh, Hey, Maritime, I see you on Instagram or whatever. I'd be like, here's a hat and a hoodie. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty much what I do it for. You know what I mean? Just, uh, and they're comfort, comfortable hoodies. So <laughs> I, I love, I love seeing people in my straight ahead construction stuff my swag yeah. i don't sell it i give it to clients if they want it and I, i'm the same way i was gonna try to sell at one point like i said but then i was like you know what i just it's just too much work and i just don't need that extra nonsense you know what i mean i'm yeah. trying to deal with that so now like you said i just give it to clients or people that are like man that looks sweet you have one i'm like yeah i do right here and they wrap it right so it's works for me yeah i tell them for every thirty-five thousand dollars you spend with straight ahead construction you get a free hoodie yeah exactly <laughs> i should start doing that <laughs> as a good incentive right <laughs> yeah that really brings them storm they yeah, come stampeding like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're there for sure free hoodie you know it's like <laughs> that's awesome um okay we're gonna go into the questioning the the, the questions i ask everybody but the first question is from evan sparks you know es sparks Yep. Yep. He was, he was on recently and he asks what three items could you bring to a cashier to make them uncomfortable? (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do you value most? Family. (laughs) Who is your mentor? My old man. Okay. I'm going to guess your favorite tool. Uh, I'm yeah, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it before you say it, and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess multi tool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Only, only, only in the last couple of years has it become my favorite tool though. Yeah. Because I was always like, what am I going to use that thing for? You know, never always found an alternative. And then I started using it and now I got like five of them, I think. And I'm just like, we use it for everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's, oh, it's unreal. You know what I mean? And, but yeah, no, that's definitely it. Okay. Then what about the most useful tool? The most useful tool? It is definitely the most useful tool, but uh, I'm going to say the most might. Yeah, that would have to be my most useful tool, but there's a lot of close ones to it. Well, then what is the where have you been like all my, my life tool? The where have you been all my life tool would have yeah. to be the seven and a quarter inch cordless DeWalt chop saw. Because mm. <laughs> that thing I could literally put it in my back pocket and take it anywhere. And it's, it, it's just amazing. And, uh, for blocking for, cause in St. John, there's a lot of buildings with no elevators mm. and, and oh, yeah. when we're doing windows and stuff, you can't go lugging a 12 up there and that's seven, literally throw it over your shoulder and go up five stories on a deck and cut your trim. Yeah, man. I got the, ba- I got the battery 12, but I don't have a seven and that, you know, the battery 12 is still awkward for sure. Throwing it up on the, on the, on the rack. Oh yeah. I get the battery 12 and I got seven and a quarter. It's just, I used it the other day. I put it this way. I had the fence I had to build to cut the fence off. And mm-hmm. instead of going with the skill saw, cutting the post off, we lifted that saw up there and chopped the post off. Oh, nice. Right. So it's just, it's just so versatile and it's, it's so light. And it's, like I said, that's mm. probably, that actually is probably the second close to my most favorite tool yeah i like it you're very passionate about your seven inch yeah um very passionate (laughs) (laughs) uh what's and i think anybody else that uses it they could agree (laughs) uh that's gonna sound really good in intro um what's the (laughs) best job site snack the best job site snack for me is the cliff bars. Mm. How about yeah. be- best job site jams? It's always classic rock. Always. It depends on what I'm doing though, I guess. Sometimes I listen to the like house music if I'm by if I'm by myself doing finished work, mm-hmm. I'll I'll crank the house music. Uh-huh. But uh, if I'm working with a bunch of guys, I usually crank the classic rock because well, if you don't like classic rock, well, no, no, <laughs> it's usually get, seems off, a the favorite job, of get off the job site. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm by myself, I usually crank like the, the house music or whatever, and just, just go at it. Yeah. I love uh, working alone and just cranking whatever tunes I want, getting in the zone. Yeah. Those are the best days. It's true. Yeah. It's nice. Especially now we're working in this building. I just got to crank because we're on two floors of emptiness. So when you crank the tunes, it's like you're in a nightclub. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Reno, the renovation is a little different because you got to, the tunes are constantly up and down and clients come exactly. in. Exactly. Um, <laughs> put in the, uh, put in the earbuds. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's the best live concert you've ever been to? Uh, Creed at uh, in Edgefest in Ontario. When was that? I think it was 2001. 
That's when they were at their peak there. That was, uh, it was an outdoor concert and it was, uh, it was pretty phenomenal. Nice. And that was the first year that uh, Toronto legalized toplessness for girls. <laughs> I, did, I had, I had no job, idea. Sorry. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I only realized that because I was just a young, I was just a youngster, right? So that stuck with sticks with you, right? And I was oh, coming yeah. from a small town in Newfoundland. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> We're like, I've died and gone to heaven. Yeah, exactly. Going to a big city, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. And then uh, all this was going down. I was just like, what, what, what just happened? What kind of culture shock? Like, quite the culture shock, right? Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to today? Um, uh, probably, well, I got a bunch of people, but the one that I, I connected with most probably through the whole social media thing and everything and uh, is probably uh, Aaron Jones from Big Dog. Yeah, we actually, uh, he's just a wicked dude, man. We always talk on a daily basis. If I have any issues, I reach out to him and literally like five minutes later, he's like, hey, what's up, man? And he stopped by the job site a few times and he's he's always there to help out. And if I got any questions, uh, just help me through it, man. He's just, just wicked. So yeah, Aaron, for sure. Yeah, Aaron's a good dude. I've, I've never, uh, we haven't met face to face yet, but we've talked quite a bit and become like virtual really good buddies here um yeah over over time and no it's like him and uh, gina are pretty good are really good people yeah and really dedicated to bringing people into the trades and sharing information which is oh yeah super no. cool I, I really admire it no it's true exactly and always like i said always there to help and like i said make you want to make you do a job better you know what i mean hundred percent it's uh no he's so yeah i would i would say Aaron. like you said there's there's a few other guys but mostly that's the one i talk to the most and uh communicate with the most and talk to the most about work and if i have any issues with any tools or anything he's like oh well try this i'll send it to you try this so yeah yeah, yeah. no he's he's a good dude uh well this yeah. is his third shout out on the podcast then because i gave him one in the first season when i first met him he was <laughs> he was voicemailing he was dming me about every pod and I knew there was someone out there that was hearing what I was saying. It was really neat. I didn't know, you know, I, I, I heard the name big dog from Marcus and, and he was like, I had Marcus on and Marcus said, Oh, Aaron's going to let you know what he thinks. And I was like, Oh, big dog's going to let me know what he thinks. <laughs> Who's this guy? And he's, yeah, turns out he's like the <laughs> nicest guy. So that was really, yeah, neat. exactly. No, it's good. He's as him and Gina actually introduced me to uh, your podcast. So he was like, Oh uh, yeah. All right. So do you think that all of your friends out there listening should go to iTunes or to Spotify and leave us a review or rating? Definitely. You guys hear that? Definitely go over and check it out. Best construction podcast out there. No doubt. Well, thank you. Hey, and, and for everybody listening out there, you can check out Harvey's work on uh, Maritime Carpentry on Instagram and Maritime Electrical. Uh, mostly active on Maritime Carpentry, I believe. Yeah. And you'll see him in stories a lot, just giving you a positive shout out to start your day. And, oh, yeah, definitely, man. And uh, definitely worth a follow. I, I, I really appreciate those 
morning drives where you're like, go get them. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Just, uh, yeah. Try to do my best to smile all the time and get her going. Well, thanks for being here, Harvey. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate the invite. Uh, it's a great time. Thank you.